Hello, everybody. This is your host, Sophia Nelson. Happy Thanksgiving 2019. I have on the line with me, with the Pluribus cast, Colonel Miles B. Kaggins III, who is serving on active duty in Baghdad, Iraq. Miles is with me this morning so that we can have a conversation about our troops, our mission, and a few other things. Miles, good morning. Good morning and happy Thanksgiving to all of your listeners, Sophia. Thank you so much. Now, uh, tell us a little bit about where you are, what you're doing, and I know you want to bring greetings as well. So the floor is yours. Sure. I'm out here as the spokesman for the coalition's mission to defeat ISIS, ISIS remnants in Iraq and Syria. And uh, today on Thanksgiving, we have in all of our dining facilities around Iraq and our troops in eastern Syria are celebrating with the traditional meal, turkey, ham, steamship round, pies, and all the trimmings. Wow. Uh, now, who is your, who's the commanding general, etc., there on the ground where you are? Well, greetings on behalf of Lieutenant General Pat White and Command Sergeant Major Dan Hendricks. This multinational coalition is led by the United States Army's Third Corps, uh, but we could not get anything accomplished here without our partners from more than 30 military nations contributing to the coalition. And really, most of the heavy lifting is done by our security partners in Iraq and Syria. The Iraqi army and our local force partners in Syria are always pressing the offensive against ISIS remnants, and we're here to train, advise, mentor, and assist them. Well, we're going to get to all of that in a moment about the mission, but I want to get back to Thanksgiving and I want to get back to our troops. First of all, let me say on behalf of all of us here at home in the United States, we love you guys. We're proud of you. We're grateful for your service. You know, Thanksgiving Day is tough for a lot of families, Colonel, because, you know, loved ones are deployed. Um, Some have been deployed for a while and, um, You know, I don't think there's a family in America that doesn't either have someone that's in the military in their uh, family or they know of someone close to the family. So tell me a little bit about what's going to happen today with respect to uh, the troops. Now, I know that you're eight hours ahead and uh, it's early in the morning here in the United States. But tell me a little bit about how today's going to flow and talk to me about the morale of our troops, particularly so far away, deployed, uh, just Talk to me a little bit about what will happen today and how our troops are doing. Yeah, I I can't speak for every troop out here, but it seems like morale aside. Now, how do I come to that conclusion? Well, uh, the general canceled all normal meetings today. Certainly, we have operations going on to continue to protect our force and critical training uh, events or missions. But for the most part, soldiers here have a time to relax, enjoy a great meal, Uh, and spend time with each other. And we also, of course, have plenty of time to reach out and talk to our loved ones back home and around the world. The mission, the coalition has been at this for a little more than five years. Thinking back to 2014 and 2015, Mm -hmm. ISIS swept across the desert from Syria through Iraq, taking great cities like Mosul and all cities in between, including Fallujah, Raqqa, Manbij, and other places in the region. Since that time, the global coalition with our partners on the ground has beat back ISIS, crushed them, and they no longer have physical territory since March of 
earlier in this year, 2019. Uh, they continue to be a threat, though. There are remnants of ISIS around hanging out in caves and hiding in deserts, and they continue to conduct small-scale attacks, harass local populace, and our goal, our mission is to train our security force partners so that they're the best that they can be in order to uh, prevent the rise of ISIS again. Now, uh, you and I, you know, we talk and uh, you said there's about 5,000. Is that U.S. forces or is that all the coalition forces combined on the ground there? There are about 5,000 U.S. forces in Iraq, uh, a few hundred others in Syria. But broader in the coalition, if you count the contractors, the representatives from more than 30 nations, we'll end up around 10,000 in the Wow. Uh, you know, congratulations to the United States Army and our, our special forces. Um, I know that we had a big win uh, just uh, a month or so ago. The president of the United States of America announced that we had captured uh, al-Baghdadi, and uh, who is the leader of ISIS. And talk to me a little bit about that. And uh, what, what was the uh, mood about capturing and, and uh, killing someone that was uh, so notorious and had done so much harm around the world uh, and kind of helping in decapitating ISIS? Certainly this, the killing of Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, former leader of ISIS, was an important win, but it was a moment in time. I think those who are celebrating the most are the people who lived under the horrible reign of ISIS, those who lived in Iraq, parts of Iraq and Syria, who had to deal with the oppression, the threats, the rapes, the murders, the intimidation, the exploitation, and the constant state of fear and terror. Those are the people who celebrate and rejoice the most. All right. I bet. I um again uh we're all so proud of you at home for that all of you and, and of course when i say you i'm speaking of the plural because right now i'm speaking uh if you're just tuning into the pluribus cast on thanksgiving day i have with me colonel miles b caggins the third who's uh the coalition uh, spokesman um and i'm gonna let him talk a little bit about his bio and his background um i like to let my guests talk about themselves because i think they they can explain it in a way and and bring you into them uh, with a more intimate voice because they are themselves. Uh, Miles, tell me a little bit about um, your background. Uh, how did you get into the United States Army? You are uh, a colonel. Um, you are a young colonel uh, and um, very impressive. Tell me a little bit about your background, um, how you started, how you ended up where you are, and then some of the neat places that the Army has allowed you to go educationally and otherwise. I think it's so important for young people listening, um, my niece included, as you know, you've met her, uh, to see what what can happen when you join and serve your country uh, from college forward. So give us a little bit of a, a snapshot of who you are and how you started in the United States Army. Well, I, I'm a second generation Army officer and was born in Heidelberg, Germany. In some ways I was born into this, although I did not know I would be in the army all my years of growing up. My senior year in high school in Houston, Texas at Eisenhower High School, my parents presented this question to me. Son, you're headed to college next year. How are you going to pay for it? <laughs> scratching my scalp and this was right around this. I think these conversations are probably happening around Thanksgiving tables around uh, the country right now. And 
they encouraged me to apply for an Army ROTC scholarship. I was awarded the four-year scholarship that covered all my tuition at Hampton University. And at Hampton, wow. had great instructors and more importantly, great friends. A group of cadets who from freshman year till more than two decades later, many of us are friends and stay connected over social media, reunite at homecomings and uh, keep each other encouraged even as Many have uh, separated from the military, retired, and transitioned to other roles. We still reflect on our bonds in the Reserve Officer Training Program at Hampton. Throughout my career, I've had an opportunity to serve overseas in diff different places. So this is my third deployment to Iraq, uh, as well as a few opportunities to serve in the Pentagon, uh, in the White House, on the National Security Council staff. Uh, from 2015 to 2016, and a lot of different educational opportunities provided for by the United States Army. It's been a great blessing and joy to serve our country. Now tell me a little bit about where have you uh, uh, continued your academic studies? I know that you did your undergrad at Hampton. You went to Georgetown, right, as well? I did, uh, about 10 years ago, or maybe 2008, I uh, competed for a scholarship in the Army to get my master's degree, and I went to Georgetown University, earned my master's in public relations there. Great program, award-winning program. I highly encourage it, and it is actually the school where now the Army sends four or five public affairs officers every year to, to get the same high-quality yeah. education I had an opportunity to receive. And Later Harvard? On, <laughs> Harvard, I uh, went to the Harvard Kennedy School of Government for a year-long fellowship in national security. There, had a chance to participate in educational and cultural experiences that definitely have shaped my life and shaped this latter portion of my career as a colonel. One thing about attending a place like the Kennedy School of Government, you're surrounded by students from other countries. I knew I was in the right place when my first day of class, uh, class on U.S. education policy, I sat down next to a young lady who was around 26 years old. She had blue hair and she was a Chinese citizen. And I thought, <laughs> well, today I'm going to learn something new from people around me. And that's where the growth really happens when we get outside of our comfort zone and get to interact with people who don't always think, look, dress, walk, talk, and pray like us. I like that. Um, I'm going to park there for a moment. I chuckled a little bit earlier because I know your parents and I can so fully hear your mother in particular at the dinner table saying, son, how are you going to pay for college? Have you thought this out? <laughs> and um, your parents celebrated their 53rd wedding anniversary uh, the other day. Why don't you tell me a little bit about, tell our listeners a little bit about uh, your dad, who was also a colonel, retired, and how your folks met in 53 years. Wow. In uh, 2019, that doesn't happen a lot anymore. So tell me a little bit about uh, your folks and uh, give them a shout out here on, on the Pluribus cast. Certainly. My parents met three weeks uh, before my dad headed off to Vietnam. He and his roommate from Tuskegee, they were stationed at Fort Benning, Georgia, in Columbus, having a going away party. My mom walked in and my dad said, this is going to be his wife. And wow. uh, they they courted over a year while he was in Vietnam, were married in 1966. And it's quite 
a blessing that they've been together for 53 years and, and uh, I'm honored to be their son. And every day of life, I think, you know, when the going gets really tough that my parents have had it, my parents in their generation have had it more challenges than I've had and that they and their peers have sacrificed so much for me to be here today as uh, the representative of a global coalition. Yeah, I tell you what, did you ever think when you were a little boy growing up and dad was in the military that you one day too would uh, make the rank of colonel and, and be in Baghdad, Iraq? Any thoughts on that? <laughs> Not a day I thought I would be in Baghdad, Iraq. I remember being in 10th grade during Operation Desert Storm when the old Iraqi regime invaded Kuwait and writing letters to soldiers there. I didn't ever think I would be the recipient of any of those letters. But recently I received some letters from a class of fourth graders in Columbus, Georgia, and each of the letters brought me joy and I shared them around the office too. And I'm I'm keeping a little repository of them for anyone I encounter who seems to be having a little bit of a bad day. They'll know that their students out there who are who are happy that they're here serving and cheering them on from home well i tell you uh here at home uh, no matter the political rancor no matter the division and all the things we have going on that make us kind of sad or worried or frustrated uh, with our great democracy uh, everywhere you go uh, the troops are foremost in everyone's mind they are beloved I don't care if you're a conservative Republican or a a liberal Democrat or an independent uh, who doesn't care for either side. Uh, Everyone loves the troops. Uh, I am, of course, uh, like yourself, I am from a army family that goes way back. We can trace uh, service in the United States Army on my father's side, dating back to uh, before World War One and on my mother's side uh, from World War Two for my paternal uh, grandfather Samuel uh, was a command uh, sergeant uh, and um, he was amazing. He served at a time when the, the military was still segregated uh, during World War II and boy he had some amazing stories to share. So we're a big army family um, and so um, on that note question um, tell me a little bit about the women in the army uh, women over serving in Baghdad. Uh, do we have women over there? Are they in infantry. Uh, tell us a little bit about women and the progress they're making in the army and, and what they're doing over in uh, Iraq. Great question. About three years ago, the Defense Department opened all jobs in the military to men and women. A few weeks ago, I was in eastern Syria and I met a young second lieutenant and she is the platoon leader for an artillery battery, an artillery platoon in Eastern Syria that is ready at a moment's notice to blast away at ISIS targets. Before three years ago, she couldn't have even served in that role. We have women around who are flying attack helicopters. Uh, If any of you are fortunate to catch the Today Show, you might see in our Thanksgiving pre-special a uh, couple of female soldiers who are interviewed. One of them is a military police canine dog handler. Uh, mm. The other one works in intelligence. So women are essential to the coalition. And more broadly, we're seeing among our security partners more and more inclusion of women in security forces. 
And this is uh, particularly pronounced in the Kurdistan region with the Peshmerga, as well as the local security force partner we have in Syria. Wow. No doubt, we would not be able to accomplish this mission without the inclusion of women in all ways, in all ranks, in all jobs. Now, Colonel, you might not uh, know the stats polled, but knowing you, you probably do. What percentage of our entire force in the Army are, are females? Of, and I don't know, even in general in the U.S. military, do you happen to know those numbers? How many females do we have in the military? <laughs> you ask all the good questions that I'm not prepared <laughs> for, but I, I'd say probably around, uh, my hunch would be around 15 to 18 percent. varies okay. between, among the services, it also has wide uh, variance among the career fields. Some of the combat career fields, infantry, armor, and artillery, are doing a phased entry into of women into those roles in different units. We'll see, we'll continue to see the number trend upwards over time. Mm-hmm. And and is that women are not in combat? I know that's been a big discussion in, in Congress since I was uh, in undergrad in law school and uh, worked on Capitol Hill. Uh, there have been a number of debates about should women serve, why, and where do they serve. But uh, what is the basic reason? Is it just it's always been that way that women weren't traditionally in the combat roles and they were more in the support roles or uh or intel, other areas, medicine, things like that? The notion that women were never in combat has really been something that's bounced around in some hearing rooms and op-ed columns. Women have been in combat since the beginning of the United States. You'll see every war that America has fought in, there have been women who've perished on the battlefield, served on the battlefield in a variety of different roles. When I was a company commander in Iraq in 2003, my logistics company was attached to an armor and infantry battalion. There were 30 women in my company. Now, maybe through legalese, they would say there's no women in combat, but I think when they were being shot at and mortared and passing by roadside bombs, they would all tell you that they were in combat. Mm -hmm. This is all settled now though, uh, as the laws and policies changed a few years ago and and what's important for us in the military and throughout the coalition is that anyone who is fit anyone who is ready anyone who wants to serve is able to serve and our standards are performance-based not gender-based very good well that's as it should be uh you know the pluribus cast is based on our motto a pluribus unum out of many one and Uh, It certainly takes a village of us Americans to make one great America. And I've really um, enjoyed this dialogue with you. Before I let you go, give me a sense of uh, what is the mission specifically that uh, you all have been tasked with? And uh, are we getting out of Iraq? Is that, I mean, I know the situation in Syria has been, of course, all over the news, uh, the situation with the Kurds, and Turkey, uh, that is something that uh, concerns us all. Uh, where are we in the Middle East with our troops? Are we staying there? Are we getting out? I know that President Trump really uh, would like to end what he calls forever war. So uh, are we on a drawdown? Um, is there a timetable or is that something we just don't really know? 
it's Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for the opportunity to talk to you on behalf of the coalition. So I'll punt any questions about how long we're staying here sure, right understand. to Washington, D.C., where somebody might answer you. What we're focused on here is continuing the mission to partner with, advise, and assist our, our security uh, partners here to get after ISIS. And, and as long as ISIS is around and as long as we're here, we're going to maintain the offensive against them, and we're going to provide the best training and mentorship to ensure that the Iraqi security forces are capable of defending their own sovereign land. I appreciate that response. I appreciate you. I appreciate your service. Uh, is there anything you want to say uh, to the folks here at home um, uh, or anything you want to say about America before I let you go on this Thanksgiving Day 2019? One thing that I want everyone at home to remember is that our troops do appreciate the support. We appreciate when we see people go on our Facebook pages and like and post American flags and stars and happy emojis. Each soldier here who has access to a phone appreciates the texts and the FaceTime opportunities. We appreciate the great investment that our country has given us for the best training, the best equipment, uh, as well as the best benefits. We're able to focus on our role and come out here from our land to help other people in their land because of the backing of each individual U.S. citizen and the commitment by our government to us. And we're quite thankful. And you can be very proud of the young men and women who are enlisting and serving in our military today, as well as the coalition. The U.S. is not in this alone at all. We have partners from Finland, Spain, the United Kingdom, Singapore, you'd be amazed at the different colors of camouflage and the different flags you'll see on people's mm. shoulders around Iraq, Kuwait, and Syria. So please stay tuned to the news, everyone, and uh, continue to send your best wishes and your prayers, and we will represent you the best we can. Colonel, where can uh, our listeners follow you on Twitter and social media to get updates on the activities there of our servicemen and women? Uh, where can they follow you? Good question. We, we like to use social media to close the gaps in the information environment. And uh, I run a social media handle as the spokesman here. It is at O-I-R-S-P-O-X. I'll say that again. At O-I-R Spokes. O-I-R-S-P-O-X. And for more broad content on the mission, uh, my team runs a, a Twitter page called Combined Joint Task Force Operation Inherent Resolve, and it's at the handle at C-J-T-F-O-I-R. Again, that's C-J-T-F-O-I-R. And you can find us on Facebook at Combined Joint Task Force Operation Inherent Resolve. In a few hours, we'll have pictures posted of the Thanksgiving celebrations that we're having all around the region. Um, now, you guys promise uh, that every soldier is going to get a, a hot uh, meal today, right? They're going to get a Thanksgiving dinner, right? Because I know there are people that have post duties and, you know, because you guys are a 24-7 operation, you don't ever really shut down, even though the general, as you mentioned at the outset, canceled activities because he wanted everybody to have a good day. Everybody's going to get a good meal today, right? Everybody's going to get a good meal today. Some of the people we're helicoptering the meals to to ensure that everybody gets a great meal today. That's right. There's We're pulling out all the stops in our 
logistics partners from the United States all the way through to the, the hundreds of civilians working in our kitchens are making this an extremely special day. And the decorations are amazing. Well, promise me that you're going to text me some pictures or whatever when you have them again. I know we're on a time delay. We're all just waking up here on Thanksgiving Day. The Thanksgiving Day parade has not yet started in New York. Um, the segment on you guys uh, that they recorded uh, for the Today Show has not yet run, but I know it's going to be online as well. So as soon as I get that um, and that's available, I will put that up and put that out. And again, thank you so much for this time, Colonel Caggins. Uh, appreciate it appreciate what you are personally doing um and what our troops are doing um it's not easy to be so far away from family and friends on the holidays and you guys do it and you keep freedom free you keep america brave you keep america safe so god bless you and god keep you god bless the united states of america thank you colonel thanks sophia and everyone have a wonderful thanksgiving you bet bye-bye now